1: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up
0: now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today is October 26, 2021. In our first story, Cal Rittenhouse scores some major victories in pretrial hearings. The judge says the men killed that night in Kenosha can't be called victims, but can be called looters, arsonists, and rioters. In our next story... of truckers affected by the vaccine mandate are expected to quit. This is Biden's policies causing very serious economic damage. And in our last story, NPR reports that something is making people very sick. And emergency rooms are filling up with non-COVID patients. What could be causing this? It's very strange. The BBC says there's a super cold going around and many people have questions. If you like the show, leave a good review and give us five stars. Share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. Cal Rittenhouse has scored a series of major victories in pretrial hearings. Now, it's no guarantee he'll be found not guilty, but it does show that it seems the judge is not playing games. The prosecutors are trying to label the individuals who lost their lives that night as victims. The judge says, you can't do that. There is evidence that they were rioting. They were looting and they were committing arson. And as such, they can be referred to in those terms, riders looters, or arsonists, but not as victims, as that's too loaded. We're trying to figure out whether or not Kyle Rittenhouse was acting in self-defense. Now, I've interviewed several journalists and witnesses who were there that night in Kenosha, and the story seems to be that this was an act of self-defense. Now, there's many who have said, Kyle should not have been out there, and it was fairly irresponsible. In fact, the judge Because it's not all about just siding with Kyle Rittenhouse, has refused to drop the gun charge against Kyle Rittenhouse, in which case he could potentially face liability over shooting these men simply because it was illegal for him to carry this weapon. Certain legal experts have argued to me that's not necessarily the case. He's probably going to get those charges. He'll be acquitted of those charges, but we'll see. Nonetheless. People on the left are putting up all of the fake news in the world. They don't care about reality. They don't care about even the New York Times reporting on what happened that night. They're arguing to me that nobody was chasing Kyle. Nobody fired upon Kyle Rittenhouse, whether at him or in the air near him as he was being chased and his life was being threatened. They argue that these things didn't happen when the New York Times put together a timeline breaking down what did happen. Jury selection is soon. The trial is very soon, and we're already seeing leftists say that if Kyle Rittenhouse is acquitted, bad things are going to happen, and I think so, which brings us back to the age-old Tim Cast question. Civil war, anybody? Civil war? When I see people like Cameron Kasky, high-profile activist from Parkland, refer to Kyle Rittenhouse as a white supremacist murder, which is a lie, okay? Cameron he, he look, he's not the most important person in the world. He's just someone that I'm naming because I've seen his tweets going viral and he's a lot of followers. But this is a guy who doesn't care about the truth. Cameron did not talk to witnesses. He did not interview the journalists on the ground, and he doesn't care about the innocent people who are being affected by the violence that night, notably a 70 year old man around the age of 70 who was bludgeoned over the back of the head and left bleeding on the ground. I'm sorry. That was the night before. These are the things that inspired people to come out. The New York Times documented what happened, and it's not perfect. I mean, it seems like people are trying to piece together what happened, but there was a lot of footage. We went over all of that evidence. We brought on three separate journalists who were there that night, including Richie McGinnis, who rendered aid to Rosenbaum, one of the men who lost his life. And he told us what what he believes happened. Now, he's going to be, I believe he'll be testifying. And I don't know if he's got an opinion on the outcome of this trial, but I'll just say, based on everything I've heard. It was a dumb situation. I blame the police for a lot of it, but it seems like this was self-defense. Kyle Rittenhouse may have some criminal liability. A lot of people on the right are saying, he's a hero. I wouldn't go that far. What we'll see, one of the things Kyle Rittenhouse has won in these pretrial hearings is that we now learn that as he was entering the scene, the police said, it's good that you are here. You see, if there was some kind of criminal liability, Perhaps the poli- they would have known, they would have shown it, and the police would have said, hey, you can't be here doing this. Instead, the cops were grateful that there were locals standing up to defend this neighborhood, this, this small town. The left has pushed incessant lies. Kyle Rittenhouse carried a weapon across state lines. Not true. They say he traveled across state lines for the purpose of X. He lives on the border of Illinois and Wisconsin. It was not unreasonable for him to go to Wisconsin for work, which he did that day. Well, I know many of you may know the story, but we'll start off with the news and then work through the context. And then we'll talk about where that brings us, which is you were at a point where even MSNBC is asking whether or not we're facing a civil war. I think the answer is likely that we are. I don't know what it'll look like. I don't think it'll look like the 1860s. I say it all the time. But we just had Noam Chomsky come out, famed leftist. Saying that people who refuse to get the vaccine should be isolated from society. And, well, if they want food, well, that's actually their problem. Interestingly enough, a bunch of leftists are like, Noam Chomsky has spoken to me, and I'm glad I was smart enough to listen to what he had to say. And now I'm smart enough to know not to listen to what he has to say. Noam Chomsky's lost the plot. But there are still many leftists who agree with him, calling for violent segregation and deprivation of food and resources. Let's read about the news on Kyle Rittenhouse. Before we get started, head over to timcast.com, become a member, and you'll get access to exclusive members only segments from the Timcast IRL podcast, as well as Tales from the Inverted World. Yes, that's what everyone's been waiting for. We've had people say, I wanted a podcast discussing crazy ideas, not a show where you tell stories. Well, Tales from the Inverted World is a storytelling series, it's Tales from the Inverted World. But the members section is where Shane, our host, talks with various guests about these concepts, and that is the members-only segment that's coming up really soon. We've completed the first members-only segment. We're going to have a couple more once a week, probably every Sunday night. We'll put them up, and we have—oh, man, it's going to get good. Tales from the Inferted World, Ghosts of the Confederacy, Ghost Stories, Murder Mysteries, Conspiracies about what really happened after the first Civil War, hopefully— We just call it the Civil War. We don't have to call it the first one, but that'll be interesting. So become a member at TimCast.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to this channel. Share this video. Let's read that story from ABC Eyewitness News. Cal Rittenhouse trial. Wisconsin judge sets ground rules on evidence and use of force experts. This is huge, and it's resulted in a major outrage from the left. They say, A Wisconsin judge laid out the final ground rules Monday on what evidence will be allowed when Kyle Rittenhouse goes on trial next week for shooting three people during a protest against police brutality. I'm going to pause right there and say, you see how the media plays these games? It was a riot. They had set fire to several buildings. A man who I believe was in his 70s was bashed over the back of his head. Why? He was trying to save his store from looters and arsonists. And someone walked up with a rock and clubbed them over the head with it. And they call that a protest. they go on to say ruling. He will permit testimony from the defense's use of forced expert and on how police welcomed Rittenhouse and others carrying guns during the demonstration. Rittenhouse sat silently in the courtroom as his defense team and prosecutors argue that last minute motions, what both sets of lawyers can and can't say in the course of the trial was the subject of the intense debate. The 18 year old is charged with killing two men and seriously injuring another during a sometimes violent protest in Kenosha after the Jacob Blake police shooting in August of 2020 the then 17 year old patrolled the streets with an AR15 type weapon i believe he was uh, it was it was a two, it was uh, loaded with 223 so that's you know AR15 probably capable of handling 556 five that's irrelevant one one important uh, thing that we learn is the man who survived who who took a bolt to his arm had reportedly stated his only regret was not unloading into Kyle while he was on the ground. I hope the defense brings that up, assuming they can corroborate it and have this individual testify, because if that's the case, you sh- it-, it shows that Kyle Rettenhouse clearly was acting in self-defense because this man had the intent, the desire to harm him. The man who survived both the damage to his arm was holding what I, be- I believe was a nine millimeter. Quote, If more than one of them were engaged in arson, rioting, looting, uh, looting, I'm not going to tell the defense you can't call them that, the judge said. The judge also ruled the two deceased men and the injured man could not be referred to as victims. The word victim is a loaded, loaded word, he said. Alleged victims, a cousin to it. Rittenhouse's attorney want want use of force expert John Black to testify that Rittenhouse acted in self-defense. Prosecutors have asked Judge Bruce Schroeder to block Black's testimony, arguing that jurors don't need an expert to understand what happened that night. I actually think they do. I do. Schroeder told the attorneys that Black wouldn't be allowed to testify about what Rittenhouse was thinking when he pulled the trigger, or whether he definitively acted in self-defense. I almost certainly am not going to permit an opinion from anybody on the ultimate facts of the case. Assistant DA Thomas Binger said if Schroeder allowed Black to testify only about the timeline of events that night, He wouldn't call his own expert to the stand. Defense attorney Mark Richards agreed to the deal. Binger asked Schroeder to bar a video that shows police telling Rittenhouse and other armed militia members on the streets that they appreciated their presence and tossing Rittenhouse a bottle of water. The prosecutor said the video would transform the trial into a referendum on police procedure that night when it wasn't relevant. This is a case about what the defendant did that night. I am concerned this will be turned into a trial about law enforcement, about what law enforcement did or didn't do that night, Binger said. Defense attorney Corey Chirafisi argued the video shows that police felt Rittenhouse wasn't acting recklessly. Binger countered that the shootings happened after Rittenhouse interacted with police, but Schroeder decided to allow the video. If the jury is being told, If the defendant is walking down the sidewalk and doing what he claims he was hired to do and police say, good thing you're here, is it something influencing the defendant and emboldening him in his behavior? That would be an argument for relevance, the judge said. Jury selection begins one week from today, and the trial is expected to last at least two weeks. Strap in, boys, because this one's going to get pretty wild. John Curtis on Twitter tweeted, The judge previously denied prosecution's request to admit video of Kyle Rittenhouse's involvement in previous entanglements, as it had nothing to do with Rittenhouse's right to self-defense in a completely separate incident. In this exchange, the judge scolds the prosecution because they're trying to say it was just arson. That's all it was. Now, I believe the audio is imbalanced, but let's play and see if it works.
1: And if if there were any evidence in this case and I would, I would love to hear it because i haven't seen it if there was any evidence in this case that mr rosenbaum physically attacked anyone else that night chased anyone else that night assaulted anyone else that night threatened anybody with a weapon that night we can talk about that but i don't hear any evidence to that effect all we're talking about is arson we're talking about being loud and disorderly we're talking about you know, being I can't believe some of the things you're seeing, I mean, all we're talking about is arson. Come on. Arson to a dumpster? Are, are arson to a dumpster, your honor? Yes. Arson? To, well, uh, pushing towards the gas station, they claim. Yeah, they, it, he whether pushed it, or not? It's, he didn't push it towards the gas station. And this idea, there's a there's a zone where it's it's okay that it's unsafe by, uh, south of Sheridan Road because the police are only going or uh, 60th Street because the police are only going to uh, uh, that far south, so I guess everybody lives at his risk. Uh, past that, I don't know what you're saying. That's not what I said, Your Honor. And Mr. Rosenbaum did not push the dumpster towards a gas station. I don't. He, well, he I, along with a number of other people, were allegedly putting things in the road to block the police bearcats. That's what was going on. Okay. That, all right. Let's talk. Let's say that's what it is. Mm. And that has nothing to do with what he alleged was alleged to have done to Mr. Rittenhouse it has nothing to do with it they have nothing in common
0: oh that's interesting so the prosecution is saying that one of these individuals was not pushing the flaming dumpster towards the gas station he was just pushing it in the street to block the police i wonder if setting things on fire could cause harm to someone else's life and if that were only the facts of the case Would Kyle Rittenhouse be justified in acting in defense of others? I mean, you want to make that argument, prosecution? I get it. Look, they have to. (laughs) This seems like the judge, he's like, come on. He's like, as if there's a zone where it's safe to set fire to a dumpster and push it anywhere? Well, it sounds to me like the prosecution is desperate. I mean, they're desperate. Look, it's their job to try and prosecute this case that never should have been brought to trial in the first place. This is why I'm worried that Kyle Rittenhouse actually will get convicted. Now, the judge, this is a good sign. I will revise my previous predictions. I said before I thought Kyle Rittenhouse would get life because I don't think these people have the spine to stand up for the mob that is threatening to come for them if they don't sentence Rittenhouse to life. But now seeing this judge, I'll walk it back a little bit. You walk it back a little bit. Maybe Rittenhouse actually will get a fair trial. The problem now is the jury is the jury going to accept that a violent mob will come for them unless they give the mob what the mob wants. I'm not sure a jury can withstand that right now. What we're hearing is pretty intense. Already, people are tweeting that bad stuff's going to happen. In fact, I can't even show you some of these tweets, what they're threatening to do, threatening violence against people. When it came to Derek Chauvin, what did they do? Armed guards had to escort jurors in amid active riots. And that was considered a fair trial? Absolutely insane. So where are we going? Somewhere dark, I would say. Somewhere absolutely dark. And I'll show you this. This is from Fox News, October 5th. Kyle Rittenhouse case. Wisconsin judge refuses to toss weapons charge. This judge is not being blindly favorable to Rittenhouse. Wisconsin judge denied motion to drop possession of dangerous weapon charge by person under 18. The judge is seemingly doing a decent job. I think most of us would want the judge to just be like, we're throwing this out. Case dismissed. Rittenhouse is free to go. But the reality is there should be a trial. This is how we sort through things. Rittenhouse is presumed innocent until proven guilty. There are fears about whether or not this can be a fair trial. We'll see how the jury handles this. I mean, we learned that some of the jurors in the Chauvin case were biased well after the fact. And it's partly on the defense attorney. Will Kyle Rittenhouse have a good enough lawyer? Honestly, I think think he will. I think Rittenhouse has substantial support from the right over this one. Donald Trump once pinned a tweet to his Twitter account, much uh, before he was banned. This was last year. And it was my tweet. Donald Trump's only pinned tweet for a long time was mine. And I said that Kyle Rittenhouse was was one of the reasons that I decided to vote for Donald Trump. And it was because I watched the videos. I read the New York Times evidence, this story here from, from the New York Times. I read what the New York Times said. This story about Rittenhouse, overwhelmingly reported by the left, and these virgin events made it clear that this was an unfortunate incident, but it was self-defense. I don't believe Rittenhouse should have been out there. The riders shouldn't have been out there first. The police should have been doing their jobs. But when all these things fail, self-defense. It's it's a bad it's a bad story. No matter what, you know there are a lot of people who are saying positive things. You know that they they, they think Rittenhouse is a hero, and I'm like, guys. I think all of it was bad across the board. You can, some people are praising Kyle Rittenhouse's, you know, his like muzzle discipline or whatever. And I'm like, I didn't want any of the riots to happen. I didn't want the police to be out there. I didn't want Jacob Blake to get shot, even though that guy is not a good person. It's just tragedy across the board. But that doesn't mean we make things worse by just locking up some kid. But I read this story. And I say, when they point When they point out the first shooting was not from Rittenhouse, but that someone else had fired into the air, unclear why Rittenhouse then turned around very clearly being chased and trying to flee until someone fired around. And that's when he turned, probably believing that those who were chasing him were trying to kill him. So I don't want to see this kid go to prison over this. It's an unfortunate circumstance. Seeing this, however, And then seeing the lies from the left, notably someone like Cameron Kasky, who I'll, you know, shout it again, prominent leftist individuals who refuse to read the news, who don't care about the truth, demanding some kind of retribution over perceived slights. It shows me that we are headed down a dangerous path. And it said to me that should Joe Biden get in, get in power and give the power to the angry mob, we're in serious trouble. And that's what he's doing. The economy is being burnt to the ground. Joe Biden's vaccine mandate is going to cause major collapse of the trucking industry that's already short 80,000 drivers. And then the left comes out and says it's now Biden's fault. Uh, He's the one who's coming out with this vaccine rule. The Truckers Association in Canada and the U.S. are begging them to stop because so many are going to quit their jobs. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. It's his policy. It's his plan. And that's what happened. Joe Biden got in, and that is what we see. We now see the left adamant that Alec Baldwin did nothing wrong because the cognitive dissonance is so insane. I have to assume that this can't be an accident. These people have to genuinely know they're lying and manipulating and tricking people. I can point you to the video and say, here's why I think what I think. Here's the New York Times saying someone else fired first. They say into the air. Other witnesses told me it wasn't into the air. It was towards Rittenhouse. All right. I don't know for sure where it was fired, but I understand why someone hearing a gunshot and being chased would turn and confront those chasing them, thinking they were now going to die. The left won't show you the evidence. They'll just say, believe me or else. And if they do have quote unquote evidence, It'll be misconstrued. I'm using the New York Times, hardly a right wing outlet. It's a left leaning outlet. They will lie, cheat, and steal. The facts of the case in the Alec Baldwin story. We have this from Legal Insurrection. Alec Baldwin's situation beginning to look a lot like manslaughter. This is from Andrew Branca, who says relevant facts assume to be established. For, for those of you who don't know the story about, about uh, Alec Baldwin, He was handling a gun on set for a movie, and he shot a cinematographer and the director killing the cinematographer. They say, here are the relevant facts, that it was Alec Baldwin who was manipulating the gun that fired the projectile that killed Miss Hutchins, that the gun discharged because the trigger was depressed by Baldwin, not because of defect. They said it was a prop gun. It was a misfire. It was a blank. Now we know it was a real gun loaded, and Alec Baldwin pulled the trigger. That the muzzle of the weapon was directed toward Miss Hutchins by Baldwin when it was fired. That it was not that she was not killed by unpredictable ricochet. The gun contained a live round. That Baldwin had the opportunity to inspect the weapon for live ammo before he directed it. And of course, there was no justification for the shooting. None. Separately, we are assuming for the purposes of today's analysis that Baldwin did not intend to injure Mrs. Hutchins. If such intent of to harm were established, we'd obviously be looking at much more serious charges. So let me make something clear on the Baldwin case. The gun had been negligently discharged two times before, according to official reporting. Crew had walked off the set due to the danger. A previous armorer said it was too dangerous and I won't be involved in this. Alec Baldwin was trained. He has has handled weapons on numerous occasions in various movies. We're at four and five. Alec Baldwin, as a producer on the set, is ultimately responsible for all of this. And then six— As the man wielding the weapon did not check, knowing his training did not check, knowing negligent negligent discharge of of, of live rounds before, presumably live rounds, I should say, based on previous reporting, did not check, pointed the weapon at this woman, pulled the trigger, and they will say Kyle Rittenhouse is a murderer and a white supremacist, and that Alec Baldwin was just an accident. This is why I say civil war. Because these people don't care about actual justice. What they care about is tribal victory. Alec Baldwin's on their side. It was an accident. It's fine. Ignore it. They say, how could Alec Baldwin be in trouble? But President Trump isn't in jail. And I'm like, what do they have to do with each other? If you have evidence against Trump, by all means, let's lock him up. But it's great. Let's talk about it. With Alec Baldwin. I mean, look at the facts in the case. And then we look at the facts of the case of Kyle Rittenhouse and he was being attacked, flaming dumpster, all that jazz. It doesn't matter what they want. They want and they will take. Let me show you this tweet from Andino. he says Kyle Rittenhouse's t- trial begins in November. One person tweeted, if Kyle Rittenhouse walks, the U.S. is going to effing burn down. Absolutely no one is going to take that ish. It'll be last summer all over again, if not worse. And then we have someone advocate for causing physical harm. To Kyle Rittenhouse, I'm not familiar with yourobserver.com. I just searched for the latest stories on the potential for a civil war in this country. They write, we know how this story will end. What we are living in in the U.S. isn't a new tragedy. It has it has occurred throughout history. The results always the same misery, destruction, slavery. In the end, the socialists utopia never works by Matt Walsh. Okay, so this is Matt Walsh's publication, I suppose editor and CEO. Surely this is all just a bad dream. At the daily onslaught of national deterioration at the hands of Joe of the Joe Biden administration, if only that were true. But it is real. And this is no exaggeration. We are all participants unwilling and willing in the disintegration of the greatest democratic republic in the history of the world. Our federal government is a disaster. People running it are ruining the nation we love. What's more, how can anyone refute that we are in the midst of a second civil war? This time, it's not a war between the states. It's a war of beliefs between delusional socialists who want complete power over our lives and ordinary Americans who want liberty, who want to be left alone to live in peace, work and raise their families, and who believe, as Jefferson stated, a separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature nature's God entitle them. Namely, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is a war of coercion versus liberty. The left would tell you that they are justified in burning down cities and that anyone who stands up to them is a violent murderer who should be locked up. Then they'll tell you the cops are all bad and that prisons should be reformed. In democratic cities, they'll release the prisoners, citing a pandemic, but then arrest a salon owner and lock her up. And it's only after intervention will that salon owner be released. If you haven't been paying attention to what's been going on, then, well, I'm glad you're here now, to say the least. Noam Chomsky. He said that those who refuse to be vaccinated should be isolated from society and for food. Well, that's actually their problem. Big mistake, uh, Noam Chomsky. Truckers and farmers, they're Trump supporters. So the reality is, if you want to isolate those who disagree with your mandates, it'll be you who's without food. Don't you see where this is going when someone like Noam Chomsky becomes so insane?
1: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by.
0: Granger, for the ones who get it done. Have you felt it? I just can't believe it. When I go on social media, what people I've known my whole life are willing to say to other people. It's crazy. It has it. I feel like we're in Ghostbusters 2. Did you ever see it? Come on. What a great movie. Ghostbusters 1, obviously better. But in Ghostbusters 2, there's this slime bubbling up in New York because people are becoming increasingly angry and nasty and the vile energy, the negative emotion makes the bubbling mass grow and and it makes people more and more angry. That's how I, that's what I feel like is happening. Don't you feel it? I saw a friend of mine from Chicago back in the old days, someone I've known my whole life, post something like, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse was acting in self-defense and then... One of our neighbors, someone who lived a few blocks away, posts, you're a crackpot wingnut, you despicable, you Trump maggot, blah, blah, blah. And I see things like this. And I'm like, dude, you guys used to hang out together. Brother against brother, as it were, wasn't it? When I see that stuff, I'm just like, people are ready for blood. Now, it could be that when it comes to social media, it's much like dogs barking through a fence. You ever see that? There's like a fence and two dogs are yelling at each other and then they open the fence and the dogs are like, yeah, I don't want to fight. Actually, that was stupid. When people meet in real life, they actually don't engage in this kind of hate and vitriol. You know, the Trump camp, uh, Trump, uh, Trump Jr. I think it was one of them. They're selling a shirt about Alec Baldwin. It's it's in. I think it's in bad taste. Some people are of the opinion that you have to absolutely go at the cathedral and their lackeys and just annihilate them, hold no, you know, no holds barred and all that stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know, man, the ends don't justify the means because you never meet the ends. But if we really are destined to major conflict, and I think we are, we saw we saw anti-mandate protesters at a hospital and Antifa came and beat them up. Since when were the anti-fascists working on behalf of the state? (laughs) Seems a little weird, doesn't it? That's where we're going. We, we, we get a judge in the Rittenhouse case who seems to be acting rather fairly these guys were not uh, they, these guys were rioters and looters they, they can be called that there you go and if they were instigating or involved in a fight then the word victim shouldn't be included you agree with that I actually think the weapons charge should be dismissed based on the legal analysis I've heard from lawyers who've had on the show and the law as, as, as I've read it and as it, as it has been explained to me. The judge says no. Okay. That's what the judge should do. So it's not like it's lopsided, but it is, do, it is going well for Rittenhouse in a variety of, of, of aspects. The funny thing is, when you finally get a fair assessment in pretrial hearings, you're excited about it. Like, oh man, good things are happening. It's like, it shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't assume that judges will just cower. In this instance, it sounds like we got a judge who ain't taking nothing from nobody. Wow. That's a guy that I can respect. Unlike the judge in the Chauvin case, who was absolutely terrified of what Antifa would do to him. It's interesting. Antifa, the far left, Black Lives Matter, communist, socialists, etc. They use violence for political ends, and it works. And we're getting nothing from... The FBI from the DHS, they're not stopping these people. They're ignoring them. Meanwhile, Merrick Garland says he's going to go after parents. Parents who are upset that their child was assaulted in school. And what? They're the bad guys. The parents are the bad guys. I'm telling you right now, my friends, this is not about policy. We are facing an existential crisis. That's why they say right wing, left wing. They try and claim Tim Pool is right wing. And why doesn't Tim Pool talk about policy positions more often? Okay. They want to say I'm right wing. Why? Because if you don't support their revolution, you are, as it were, it was in the French Revolution on the right. That's what it meant. The left means pro revolution. The right means not revolution, I guess. And that's really what I think they're trying to say when they're trying because people can't really agree on language. They'll try and say that you or I are right wing. But I really I ask you, what does that mean? They demand that, well, Tim, we can't call him left-wing unless he makes a bunch of videos explaining his positions and being mad at Republicans. But Republicans haven't done anything. Republicans aren't doing anything. They're just kind of obstructing, I guess. But what policies are they working on? Are they defending the right of free speech? That's a right-wing issue? Sure. Whatever. Freedom, liberty, life, the pursuit of happiness. These are considered right-wing now. That means the revolution seeks to take from you life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, your free speech, and basically all of your rights. If that's what the revolution seeks, it's a revolution that must be stopped. It is an attempt to take over. It is an attempt at a coup. We're seeing it across the board. This is very, very worrisome. Over at the New York Times, we have this story. It's called Kyle Rittenhouse and the New Era of Political Violence. And they get so much wrong. The thin blue line in Boogaloo had in common was they stood against the forces they believed were gathering on the left to erase the idea of America. A lie. The Boogaloo boys march with Antifa on more than one occasion. They're just anarchists. The New York Times has to lie. They say all of these things we saw with the conflict between the left and the right, all these episodes looked in retrospect like stepping stones in the way to the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol. I agree with that 100%. And I've warned over and over again, my friends, civil war. And people come to me and they say, Tim, you are wrong. And now I love it. On the right, the moderates, the independents, they'll say things like, I can certainly see how that's possible. Early on, it was conservatives telling me it was impossible. There would be a civil war that quickly changed, you know, over the course of a year. The left still mocked me saying it was dumb. They were mad. They were like, Tim's trying to make a civil war happen. No, I'm just reading the opinion of a Princeton professor. Sorry, I don't make these things up. I just read what other people say, and then I'm like, well, if they're saying it, right? I'm not some prophet. I certainly don't want it to happen. I'm, I'm scared about what China will do if the U.S. falls. But then the left, start, you know, when they started mocking me, now I just say January 6th, and they go, well, mm-hmm, harumph, I guess. Yeah, you didn't want to accept it before, but now you do. When it was your guys marching around Shooting people, you are like, no, there's no civil war. We're because we're taking over. And then January 6 happened, and they're like, uh-oh, looks like there is a civil war afoot. Which brings me to, actually, I don't have the story pulled up. I should have. The Project Veritas story. You should check it out. Phil Murphy of New Jersey apparently is saying no vaccine mandates. Undercover footage shows someone, I believe, working for his campaign, saying as soon as he gets elected, there will be mandates. Because the moderates and the Republicans believe in their rights and whatever. That's how they say it. They will take from you your rights. You will own nothing and you will be happy. Speak now or forever hold your peace. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out and we'll see you all then. Recently, the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, you know him, you love him, He warned that hyperinflation is coming to the U.S. Now, Jack seems to be pretty bullish on Bitcoin, so maybe he's just of that perspective. Maybe it's good news for Bitcoin, or maybe the reason he's interested in Bitcoin is because he can see the writing on the wall that hyperinflation is here, and it's going to get really bad. Now, all of a sudden, we see the mainstream media doing what they do best, saying, no, 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 stop. Everything's fine, and you are happy. I wonder if uh, one of the big reasons people come to watch shows like mine or Tim IRL is because we don't shy away from talking about things that might be a little over the top. I think Tucker Carlson goes way further than we do, for sure, when he talks about immigration and voting and stuff like that. But we talk about hyperinflation, shortages, potential civil war, or national divorce, real conversations that people are wondering about. Before you, there is a story from transportationnation.com. I'm not familiar with this uh, website. I don't know if it's a credible news source, but they say, report, 38,000 cross-border truckers will immediately exit due to vaccine mandate. Now, typically, I don't like using sources if I don't know anything about them. But here's the thing. We have another story from CNBC. Business groups ask White House to delay Biden COVID vaccine mandate until after the holidays. I love it as if that will alleviate things. Just do it after the holidays, then let everything get bad. Basically, we're going to cut and run. Please, will you let us make as much money as possible over the holidays and then nuke the economy? Anyway, in this story, they talk about the American Trucking Association. Let me just make sure I can pull it up right away. They say this. The American Trucking Association in its letter last week also asked the administration to consider exempting truckers from the mandate arguing that drivers are similar to remote workers because they do not interact with each other with another another employee for days or weeks at a time. They go on to say that they expect a mass wave of resignations. Maybe I should just pull that one up, too. They expect a wave of resignations should the vaccine mandate be implemented. I should probably, yeah. They say OMB officials have, have, have several meetings lined up Monday and Tuesday with groups representing dentists, trucking companies, staffing companies. The American Trucking Associations will meet with the OMB on Tuesday. They warned the administration last week that many drivers will likely quit rather than get vaccinated, further disrupting the national supply chain at a time when the industry is already short 80,000 drivers. The Trucking Association estimates companies covered by the mandate could lose 37% of drivers. <laughs> Through retirements, resignations, and workers switching to smaller companies not covered by the requirements. Okay, when they tell you it is not Joe Biden's fault, laugh. All right, okay, laughing won't be an effective way to argue against them, but please share this. If 37% of truckers quit at a time when we are down 80,000 drivers, My stars and garters, my friends, it will get way, way worse. Have you noticed shipping delays already? Have you noticed you can't get that comfy little futon from Walmart anymore? What's that? No vacuum cleaner and worse still, food. That's right. When these truckers are not around, that is... What's the you know, I'm not a doctor, but uh, you know, when you have a low red blood cell count, that's basically what it is. Truckers are the red blood cells of this country, transporting vital and essential compounds from one place to another to keep the energy aflowing. They travel across the country from city to city, state to state, bringing you the food and the goods you need to live. And we're going to lose them. Now, back to that first story. They say this, the Canadian Trucking Alliance, that is interesting, Canadian is warning of increased supply chain disruption should the U.S. follow through on its recently announced cross-border vaccine mandate. Earlier this month, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security announced that beginning in early January 2022, all inbound foreign national travelers and travelers, including truckers, must be fully vaccinated for COVID-19 and provide related proof of vaccination. What does fully vaccinated mean? And therein lies the issue. Fully vaccinated can mean whatever they want it to mean, whatever they want it to mean, whatever they want. Yeah. At first, it meant uh, that you had two shots. Well, now Johnson & Johnson requires a booster. They're saying, I don't, I don't know if it requires, but they're saying you're eligible after two months to get a Johnson & Johnson booster. Are you no longer fully vaccinated now if you haven't got the booster? I think that may go to individual discretion, but I'm going to go ahead and say probably not if you if you haven't gotten the booster. What that means is you are going to have rolling medical scheduling. You want to be a trucker? You're going to come to the border, and they're going to say, "Ah, oh, we, you know, we just rolled out a new booster. You don't have it. You're going to have to turn around, or step into our parking lot with our local convenience store, where we'll apply that booster to you." They've already talked about this. The, uh, it was the Biden admin that they might, or the CDC, they might need to change the definition of fully vaccinated now that boosters are available. Duh, we knew that was coming. My friends, you will own nothing, and you will be happy. That's the plan. You will own nothing now. You know, interestingly, I am someone who I, I I like minimalism. You know, for most of my life, I had very little and I was very happy because experiences I find to be the most important things. Living is more important than owning, but there's some things you need to own. You need to own a refrigerator, I guess. You know, you don't need to, but it greatly helps with your survivability. You need shelter. You know, there are things you need to own. If you can't even own your own shelter and, no, and, and you have no security, people are going to lose their minds. They say the announcement quickly drew criticism and concern among those who operate cross-border trucking businesses. In fact, one top Canadian trucking executive asserted the mandate would result in a disaster. Now, CTA is sounding the alarm on just how deeply the vaccination requirements will impact the supply chain that moves by truck, which accounts for approximately 70% of the nearly $650 billion in trade between the US and Canada. Oh, this is it going to be funny because truckers aren't going to want to go up to Canada because they can't get back in. So if there's like an American and they're like, hey, we're going to have you haul, you know, corn into Canada, and then you'll pick up a load and ship it back. It's how, you That's know, how you do it. They're going to be like, no, because if I try and come back in, you know, I have to undergo a mandate. Now, this is, I believe, for Americans. It's for it's for foreign travelers. So we'll see. I mean, people in Canada already live under a boot anyway, so they probably have no problem dropping to their knees and taking the injection for the state. And then uh, who cares when they cross the U.S. border? They'll say, ah, gee, golly, sir. Yep, I got all my vaccinations up to date. Or was that, was that too Midwestern of an accent? You get the point. I don't know if they can, they can enforce that on Americans coming in. It says foreign travelers. But maybe, let me just, let me just uh, make sure we get it here. Inbound foreign national travelers probably will not include Americans. It absolutely will be disruptive, they say. According to the CTA's latest projections, almost one in four drivers will abandon cross-border operations should the vaccine mandate take effect early next year. So while you have businesses saying, Please wait until after the holidays. You have this other one saying even after the holidays they expect 25% of their driving of their drivers to resign, to quit. Resignations. Oh man, that's really interesting. And then what will they say? These these shortages have nothing to do with vaccine mandates. It's just people aren't working. That's what they said about Southwest, remember? It's the vaccine mandates. And I think they know. I think they know and I think they want some kind of you know, large, impactful kind of restart. You know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe a a large restart, an epic reconfiguration or, or a great reset. That sounds so much easier to say a great reset. Oh, wait, they've publicly talked about their great reset of global capitalism. Well, here you go, my friends. If you are a working class individual, I'm sorry, at this point, Imagine it this way. There is a great helicopter atop a building. And upward mobility is that if you work hard enough and you climb a 100 flights of stairs, you're drenched in sweat, you can grab onto that helicopter and be lifted up into the sky. Well, that helicopter is leaving. Upward mobility is being destroyed. And those who are below a certain income level will be left behind permanently. Two classes will be formed. And it's not vaxxed and unvaxed. That's wrong. There was that woman, what's her name, Jacinda in New Zealand. She was asked by a reporter, are you creating two classes of people? And she's like, yes, that's exactly what we're doing. I can't do a New Zealand accent, but you get the point. She said there's gonna be two classes of people, vaxxed and unvaxxed. Not true. If you are rich, you are exempt from all of this. Joe Rogan gets to go perform at Madison Square Garden. No vaccine mandate for him. But if you want to watch him perform, vaccine mandate for you. It's the capital city in the Hunger Games. Rich people are exempt. It's just that simple. Now, to varying degrees, you know, a wealthy individual of moderate wealth will still have to navigate the system, but can easily navigate around it. For instance, private planes, no vaccine mandate. You, gotta, you know, can you afford a private plane? You don't got to worry about it. You can fly wherever you want, no masks either. It's way more comfortable anyway. Now, you still have to worry about the airport and how you're getting in and what you got to do. But typically with private planes, you can go to smaller airports, go right through the gate, walk, walk right up to your plane if you have the money to do so. So if you're poor and you need to fly, get your vaccine, get your mask, do as you're told or else that nasty flight attendant is going to come at you, start screaming. Now, if you're really rich, like a billionaire rich, they can fly wherever they want, whatever they want. They don't even need passports. And this is, this is what people just don't understand about wealth. I mean, the left kind of gets this right. The right, I, I don't think, does. They don't, people just generally do not understand wealth. There's a certain point at which you have so much money that nothing really matters. And that's certainly Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos with super yachts. This dude, I assure you, can make a phone call. And in fact, he doesn't even do this. He boards his private plane, flies to a foreign country, and they walk him out and shake his hand, and he requires no passport. They know who Jeff Bezos is. He is a global elite. He requires nothing to move freely about anywhere in the world. Now, there may be some holdout country. I don't know. Venezuela might be like, no. Iran might be like, get out of here. But if the dude flew to Europe, I'll just put it this way. People I know who aren't even that rich, the children of some of these people, Tell me stories about how they just like, oh yeah, we just take a private plane to Germany and we don't passport. We get escorted right through the gates because they know who our family is. They know who we are and that's power. So if you are working class, get ready because when these truckers cut out, they have no choice. So is your food and what are you going to eat? This is remarkable. It's really remarkable. They're talking about how, uh, look at this one. We got this from the Daily Mail. Time to pardon a Thanksgiving turkey. Supply chain crisis sees price of popular bird rocket by 27% in a year, with pumpkin pie, potatoes, and grapes also soaring in price. That's right, my friends. Thanksgiving is going to cost you an arm and a leg. You will own nothing. I hope you've been paying attention to what that means, because you think they're joking. They're not. That was the video they put out. The World Economic Forum made a video. It said, you will own nothing and you will be happy. They write this story of like the world in 2030. I leave my, my apartment where I rent and hop on a city bike, which is owned by a major bank. And then eventually, you know, I get get to the cafe where I, I purchase a small coffee. I then contact a car service to drive me places. I own nothing and I'm happy For free at Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know that's that fa- famous saying from Harriet Tubman, the famous quote: "I have uh, saved many slaves. I would have saved many more if only they knew they were slaves. Ignorance. This is what they need. They need you to be ignorant. They need you to give up your freedom. Why? They want to make sure your children grow up in a world where they never knew these freedoms existed." They want you to live under the boot like the Borg in Star Trek. They want you to be a cog in their machine. No upward mobility, no chance at a happy life. They want you to just be indoctrinated and beaten down. But you know what? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. There's something, there's a a fire inside people. There's a fire. And there is a natural uh, drive that we must do, do more, do something. And I don't think even if they were to gain control of systems the way they hope to, I don't think people would just lie down and accept it. I think eventually you'd see the system implode. But I think they're betting on the surveillance state. You know, when it comes to some of these dystopian uh, movies, V for Vendetta, for instance, in V for Vendetta, there is mass surveillance. But they greatly underestimate the power of that mass surveillance So uh, take, for instance, a V for Vendetta. What's it about? Uh, A bunch of military and political elites and religious elites stage a virus, buy shares in the pharmaceutical company that has the vaccine because they made the virus in the first place. They then all become extremely wealthy, take control of the country through fear, and then rule with an iron fist. In the beginning of the movie, Evie, played by, Evie Hammond, I think her name is, played by Natalie Portman, is going out because she's going to be going to this comedian's house to, you know, entertain, as it were, right? They're going to have a good time. Turns out the guy's actually, you know, not interested in women in that way. But on her way there, she gets stopped by fingermen, police, basically, and they want to abuse her. V intervenes, saves her. Now, here's what's funny. In the real world... You will not be able to just leave your house. Why? You see, in this movie, Natalie Portman violates curfew. She chooses to, and she only gets caught when someone sees her. In Australia, they have a mobile app. Take a picture of your face with your, with your geotag on it, so we know exactly where you are, or else we're coming for you. That's why, in the real world, surveillance is substantially worse. Now, with cell phones and with social media... They'll know if you're leaving your house anyway. And that's where we're going with social credit systems and vaccine passports. How much you want to bet the vaccine passport because of what what do they call it? Um, You know, uh, what what is it? Case tracking or whatever? I don't know. Where they want to check your movements. They're going to know where you are. You're going to walk out of your house, and their thing's going to be like, we see them leaving. And then you're going to get in trouble. They're going to send you to a quarantine camp. Yeah, we were talking about inflation and stuff, but we're getting somewhere dark, aren't we? You will own nothing and you will be happy. We will eventually find ourselves in a despotic nightmare, but there won't be civil disobedience. There won't be a resistance because they know where you are. It's not just about the phone you carry. It's about the phones other people carry. It's about the alerts. It's about the cult. Think about it. Take a look at how people just scream and go insane like the Netflix employees. Dave Chappelle says, I'm going to tell a joke. And they go, and one woman walks up to a guy starts screaming, repent. He gets attacked. The zealots, the fundamentalists, the psychotic extremists will be used. Fanatics is probably the right word. The fanatics will be used to keep people in line. And they already are. Like in that viral video where the guy He's chasing a woman down in a supermarket going, is anyone else mad that we all have to wear masks and she won't? We all have to wear masks and she won't. That's what it's really about, right? These spineless cowards who are too scared to just assert their rights are selling you out. Too scared. Here's what we get. Here's what's funny, right? Check this out. From Yahoo Finance, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey is right to scare everyone about hyperinflation. He goes on to make a joke about a beard, whatever. Jack Dorsey said hyperinflation is going to change everything. It's happening. Did you see Peter Thiel's Palantir bought $50 million worth of gold? I think gold's a good bet. I do. Uh, I think Bitcoin is also a really good bet. I'm not telling you what to buy. I think silver is better. The problem I have with gold is that it's too valuable. No, for real. Like what are you gonna do? You got you got a piece of gold, and you're like, I would like a sandwich, and they'll be like, Dude, I can't break a twenty thousand dollar, you know, a ten ounce bar. Okay, well, how about a one ounce coin, dude? I can't I can't give you change for a two thousand dollar gold coin. I mean, maybe they could, but could you imagine walking into a store and being like, I'd like to buy one large roast beef sub with uh, extra avocado or something, and they're like, That'll be ten dollars. Here's two thousand a two thousand dollar gold coin. Let me pull out other gold coins and then, you know, they'll pull out, they'll they'll, they'll, they'll give you 10, you know, they'll they'll pull out uh, nine one ounce coins and then whatever, I guess. It is what it is. I guess maybe at that point, it'll be like, that'll be one. I mean, that's not even fair. One tenth of a gram of gold. It's tough. Silver is good because silver coins, 20 bucks. It's like 18 bucks. So you could seriously be like, yeah, I'll take the sandwich and they'll be like, you know, that'll be, you know, one, you know, that'll, that'll be a half ounce. And you'll be like, here's an ounce of silver and they'll hand you back a half ounce. And <clears throat> maybe things will kind of revert to back the way, the way they used to be when we actually had hard metal currencies. I think Bitcoin is good. I think Bitcoin is a digital asset. It's uncopyable. It can be transferred relatively quickly, almost instantly uh, compared to other methods Around the world, and it stores value and can be used to operate smart contracts. That means if you rent a new apartment, you don't need to do anything. You can literally walk up to an apartment, scan, and they'll say availability, Bitcoin requirements. They can see you know your 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 public account, and then you can press transfer, and then it'll automatically deduct. You know you'll automatically send the the rent amount for the building, and you'll have it, and there there won't be any people, no landlord. And so maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not a bad thing landlord will still be responsible, but then you can go to the electric. There's like a, a, a meter on the house. Scan the QR code, press go. Boom. All your power just turns right on. That's a smart contract. So for that, I think Bitcoin is good. I think the, 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 the massive public tracking of it can be scary. So keep an eye out for that. But we do have this in response to Jack Dorsey's warning about hyperinflation. Kathy Wood disputes Jack Dorsey's hyperinflation warnings, says prices will fall after the holidays. Don't believe these people. Chief Executive Officer at ARC Investment Management, please. They were like, inflation is transitory. It's just, it's all going to, it's not. It's permanent. It's getting worse. If, P, if inflation is driving up wages, do you think that workers are going to be like, now that the holidays are over, I'd like to lower my salary? Or do you think they're going to be like, I am not going to lower my salary? Screw off. Yeah, that one. So right now, the costs are too high. And the workers are saying, yo, I need at least 20 bucks an hour. Otherwise, I can't do this job. And they're like, OK, fine, 20 bucks an hour. This lady comes out. and She's like, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's going to go down. That's right, because in February, the guy who's making 20 bucks an hour is going to be like, I don't need the 20 bucks an hour anymore. Thanks, guy. I'll go back to 15. Now, to be fair, a lot of holiday workers will start disappearing, but that won't change the fact that there's going to be higher costs per employee. So what do you think's going to happen? man, they want you to believe everything's going to get better, but it is not. They want you to believe it because they don't want you to revolt against what they're doing. If they just came out right now and said, here's what we're doing, Great Reset, people be in the streets rioting. Trump would win in a landslide. There would be a convention of states. So they got to do it slowly. They got to make sure that regular people who are too dumb to fact check the news, you know, I, 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 sh- I shouldn't say fact check because that implies they're doing more. Work. I mean, like, the, the people who are stupid, they believe CNN. I'll put it that way. They want to make sure those people never get out of the matrix. If too many people wake up from what's going on, take that little old red pill. Oh, there would be a revolt overnight. Keep people in the dark and feed them crap. Treat them like mushrooms, huh? Well, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I can tell you this. The truckers are the lifeblood of this country, and if they quit, it's already bad. It'll get worse. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. In the past week or so, people have been complaining about something called the super cold, like a cold you would get, a sickness. But the super cold, it was much worse. People are saying they're having the worst experience of their lives. Now we're seeing another story. ERs are now swamped with seriously ill patients, but most of them don't even have COVID. What's happening? How is it that all of a sudden our hospitals are being overwhelmed, our ERs specifically, Non COVID related issues. That doesn't seem to make sense. I honestly have no answer. I want to show you this other story from the BBC. Super cold is the worst cold ever going around. And they say a normal cold for this young woman, uh, this woman, what's her name? Rebecca, would have been sneezing, a runny nose, a bit of a sore throat. Nothing like this, she tells Radio 1 Newsbeat. I barely slept. I'd wake up in the night just coughing, a constantly runny nose, and feeling so tired. Rebecca did lateral flow tests and got negative results, but was ill for more than a week and was left wondering if it's ever going to end. And she's not the only one. This user, Oliver Roll, says, "Okay, seriously, anyone else been struck down by this non-COVID chest sinus infection? It's been two weeks and I'm exhausted. Very grateful Miss Rona hasn't paid me a visit, but this is something else. Never been this continually ill before. Other people saying it's the worst cold I've had in my life. Now, the BBC says... It's not COVID, but it is linked. Well, when I saw that story about a super cold, I thought it was interesting, but sometimes there are strong colds, so I don't think too much about it. Until I saw this story from NPR. ERs are now swamped. Wait, wait, wait. Emergency rooms are being swamped by this? Well, there's a lot of speculation as to what may be occurring. A lot of crazy conspiracy theories, things that I can't substantiate. But one thing that many people are saying is that People spent too much time indoors. Their immune systems grew weak because they were not being exposed to various pathogens, viruses, bacterias. And thus, when they finally venture out back into the world, they get slammed. They end up in the hospital. The NPR story says, you know, additionally, many people were delaying treatment. So now that things are starting to ease, everyone's going to the hospital basically at the same time. Let's take a look at this. I'm sure y'all have some theories on why you think so many people are getting sick with some kind of super cold. But let's read from NPR. They say, inside the emergency department at Sparrow Hospital in Lansing, Michigan, staff are struggling to care for patients who are showing up much sicker than they've ever seen. Tiffany DuSang, the ER's nursing doctor, practically vibrates with pent-up anxiety, looking at all the patients lying on the long, t- long line of stretchers pushed up against the beige walls of the hospital hallways. Quote, It's hard to watch. She says in her warm Texan twang, but there's nothing she can do. The ER 72 rooms are already filled. Quote, I always feel very, very bad when I walk down the hallway and see that people are in pain or needing needing to sleep or needing quiet. But they have to be in the hallway with, as you can see, 10 or 15 people walking by every minute. It's a stark contrast to where the emergency department and thousands of dollars were at the start of the pandemic. Except for the initial hotspots like New York City in the spring of 2020, many emergency rooms across the country were often eerily empty. Terrified of contracting COVID, people who were sick with other things did their best to stay away from hospitals. Visits to emergency departments dropped to half their normal levels, according to the Epic Health Research Network, and didn't fully rebound until the summer of 2021. But now they're too full. Even in parts of the country where COVID isn't overwhelming the health system, Patients are showing up to the ER sicker than they were before the pandemic. Their disease is more advanced and in need of more complicated care. Well, how could this be an immune system thing? I wonder. Months of treatment delays have exacerbated chronic conditions and worsened symptoms. Doctors and nurses say the severity of illness ranges widely and includes abdominal pain, respiratory problems, blood clots, heart conditions, suicide attempts, among others. What could be causing all of these blood clots and, and, and respiratory problems? It's so strange. But there's nowhere to put them all. Emergency departments are ideally meant to be brief ports in a storm, with patients staying just long enough to be sent home with instructions to follow up with their primary care physicians, or sufficiently stabilized to be transferred upstairs to inpatient units or the ICU. Except now, Those long-term care floors are full, too, with a mix of COVID and non-COVID patients. That means people coming to the ER are being warehoused for hours, even days, and forcing ER staff to perform long-term care roles they weren't trained to do. At Sparrow, space is a valuable commodity in the ER. A separate section of the hospital was turned into an overflow unit. Stretchers stack up in the halls. They've even brought in a row of brown reclining chairs lined up against a wall for patients, too who aren't sick enough for a stretcher, but are too sick to stay in the main waiting room. Still, some of the patients in the brown recliners are hooked up to IVs, while others talk quietly with medical specialists who sit across from them holding clipboards perched on wheeled stools. Man, I don't have the answers. I can tell you that there was a segment Tucker Carlson did with, um, what's the guy's name? I'm I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting your name, Alex um, um, Berenson. Sorry, can't remember your name. Uh, He's a reporter who's covered a lot of vaccine issues. He reported that we don't know why, but in some places we're seeing a spike in excess mortality unrelated to COVID. And this seems to play alongside what we're seeing here with NPR. Now, his opinion was that it's vaccine related. However, he has no evidence. And I think that's an important thing to say. No evidence. You got to make decisions that you think are right for you and your family. You got to go talk to your doctors and and make sure you're talking to medical experts about what makes sense for you and not worry too much about what you're hearing on the news, except, you know, ask your doctor if anything's giving you the the willies or making you uncertain. But it is interesting, at the very least, just the point about excess deaths, excess mortality, more people are dying this year than before, unrelated to COVID. And then we see this story. They're going to say, there is no privacy. As Aloha's parent Perientos just learned he came to the ER in the morning because his arm had been tingling and painful for over a week now. Well, that's weird. He can no longer hold a cup of coffee. Whoa. A nurse gave him a full physical exam in the brown recliner, which made him self conscious about having his shirt lifted up to the front of strangers. I felt a little uncomfortable, he whispers, but I have no choice, you know. I'm in the hallway. There's no rooms. We could have done the physical in the parking lot, he adds, m- managing a laugh. On the other side of the ER, beyond a worn of identical-looking hallways and heavy double doors that can only be opened with an employee badge, is Sparrow's Ambulance Bay. 70 to 100 ambulances pull in each day. It's a lot, Dusang says. Watching EMS teams wheel their patients over to the triage nurse, it's the highest I've ever seen in my career. About three times a week, the ER arrives at a point where they just can't take any more patients, he explains. Then, They send out the alert for ambulances to divert patients to other hospitals, but that's a risky move, too, because Sparrow is one of the only hospitals in this part of the state that's equipped to handle severe traumas. Dusang says it feels like waving the white flag, but you have to do it when you feel unsafe, she says, meaning so crowded that they can't provide patients with adequate care. So although it won't entirely keep ambulances from coming in, at least it gives them awareness that, oh, you know, the ED's in trouble. Even patients who arrive by ambulance are not guaranteed a room. One nurse is running a triage here, screening those who absolutely need a bed and those who can be put in the waiting area. I hate that we even have to make the determination, Dusang says. Lately, they've been pulling out some of the patients who are already in the ER rooms when others arrive who are even more critically ill. No one likes to take someone out of the privacy of their room and say, we're going to put you in the hallway because we need to get, we need to get uh, care to someone else. They go on to say... The number of ER patients is mostly back to normal, but patients are so much sicker. This isn't just happening at Sparrow. We are hearing from members in every part of the country, says Dr. Lisa Moreno, president of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. The Midwest, the South, the Northeast, the West, they are seeing this exact same phenomenon. Whoa. There's like, apparently, according to NPR, some mass medical event happening that's resulting in people getting sick. So much sicker, they're saying, that the hospital is being overwhelmed. What happened? It's not COVID, they're saying. It is related to the lockdowns. Could be immune systems. How weird. How weird indeed. Although the number of ER visits returned to pre-COVID levels uh, this past summer, the admission rates from the ER to the hospital's inpatient floors are still almost 20% higher. That's according to the most recent analysis by the Epic Health Research Network, which pulls data from more than 120 million patients across the country. It's an early indicator that what's happened in the ED is, what we're seeing, uh, is is that we're seeing more acute cases than we were pre-pandemic, says Caleb Cox, a data scientist at Epic. Less acute cases, such as people suffering from health issues like rashes or conjunctivitis, still aren't going to the ER as much as they used to. Instead, they may be opting for an urgent care center or their primary care doctor, Cox explained. Meanwhile, there's been an increase in people coming to the ER with more serious conditions like strokes and heart attacks. Even though we're seeing the overall volumes come back to normal over the summer here, we see that the more acute conditions still remain higher than the pre-pandemic normals, while the lower acuity conditions still remain below pre-pandemic normals. So even though the total number of patients coming to ERs is about the same as, as before the pandemic, that's absolutely going to feel like if I'm an ER doctor or nurse, I'm seeing more patients and I'm seeing more acute patients. Dr. Lisa Moreno, the AAEM president, works at an emergency department in New Orleans. She says the level of illness and the inability to admit patients quickly and move them to bed upstairs has created a level of chaos in the ER that she described as not even humane. At the beginning of a recent shift, she heard a patient crying nearby and went to investigate. It was a paraplegic man who'd recently had surgery for colon cancer. His large post-operative wound was sealed with a device called a wound vac, which pulled fluid from the wound into a drainage tube attached to a portable vacuum pump. But the wound Vec had malfunctioned, and that's why he had come to the ER. But staffers were so busy, by the time Moreno came in, the fluid from his wound was leaking everywhere. Oh, jeez, man. This is brutal stuff. When I went in, the bed was covered. I mean, he was lying in a puddle of secretions from his wound, and he was crying. But he said to me, I'm paralyzed. I can't move to get away from all these secretions. And I know I'm going to end up getting an infection. I know I'm going to end up getting an ulcer. I've been laying like this for eight or nine hours. The nurse in charge of this care told Moreno she simply hadn't had time to help his patient yet. She said, I've had so many patients take care of and so many critical patients. I started an IV drip on this person. The person is on a cardiac monitor. I just didn't have time to get in there. This is not humane care, Moreno says. This is horrible care. They're firing nurses who are not getting the vaccine. They're firing doctors who are not getting the vaccine. Leftists are gloating about it on Reddit. They're laughing. And we have a shortage to such a degree. We, an, we are overwhelmed to such a degree that the, we get stories like this. This is brutal, man. I feel sorry for this person. I feel sorry for anybody who's feeling sick and has to go to the hospital. Quote, All the nurses and doctors had the highest level of intent to do the right thing for the person, Moreno says. But because of the high acuity of a large number of patients, the staffing ratio of nurse to patient, even the staffing ratio of doctor to patient, this guy did not get the care that he deserved to get just as a human being. The unintended neglect is extreme and not the experience of the vast majority of patients who arrive at ERs right now. But the problem is not new. Even before the pandemic, ER overcrowding had been a widespread problem and a source of patient harm, reflective of not just individual department performance, excuse me, or even individual hospital, individual hospital performance, individual department, but of health system dysfunction throughout the U.S. Quote, ED crowding is not an issue of inconvenience. There is an incontrovertible evidence that ED crowding leads to significant patient harm, including morbidity and mortality related to consequential delays of treatment for both high and low acuity patients. Burnout feeds staffing shortages and vice versa in a vicious cycle. Are you talk about the vaccine mandates, because I'll tell you this. Let's say you have 10 nurses, each handling one patient. That's their capacity. Then you say vaccine mandate, and two of those nurses say we quit. Now you've got 10 patients between eight nurses, a little bit overwhelmed. Eventually, one nurse just says, look, I know it's not that bad, but I just can't handle it and quits. Seven nurses, 10 patients. Now the burden is being increased across the board. A couple more nurses are like, this is way too much for me. Now you have five. You get down to five nurses. You have five nurses, 10 patients. And now they're saying, I'm probably doing the math wrong, but you get the point. It's becoming a bigger and bigger burden for all of them. And eventually they're just not going to be able to handle it. And then there won't be an ER. There won't be a hospital for someone to go to. Now, I don't know what's causing this. I know there's going to be a lot of people who have a lot of uh, uh, theories I know a lot of people are going to uh, talk about vaccines. It could just be, man, we lock up all of these people for a year and a half, nearly two years. And now their immune systems have grown weaker. That makes sense when you look at the super cold. So, So I'll put it this way. We just had a mass medication event. We mass vaccinated tons of people. There's some concerns about the long-term effects of these vaccines, but ultimately I say just talk to your doctor and believe it or not, I know people are going to, you know, make, make comments, whatever you want to say. I genuinely believe that the vaccines are safe. I think medications have side effects, all of them, including these vaccines, but we have to make sure we're not getting trapped in a scaling problem where we see 300 million vaccine doses and then associate a large number of adverse events with, you know, bad news about the vaccine when it's really just about raw numbers. But I will say, you know, there are a lot of people who are concerned about it. And I think people are entitled to have those questions answered. I don't know if I believe it because because of a story like this. And that's kind of why I'm getting to this super cold going around. I don't think the vaccine has anything to do with a bad cold going around. I think what we're actually seeing is that we sacrificed natural immunity in exchange for lockdowns and a vaccine. And while lockdowns can be good, maybe in a very short term period, or maybe with certain restrictions and regulations about how we keep everything open and we don't, maybe I should put it this way, the lockdowns were wrong and didn't work. There are some limited things we can do on restricting certain you know, functions of government, social distancing and masking, you know, like that's a good example. We could have done that instead of locking everything down. Maybe it would have been better. Maybe people would have been better off building up natural immunity when there was a, a I don't know. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I have no idea, honestly. What I do know is there is a, a bad cold going around according to several different news outlets. And this sounds to me like people locked themselves up, their, their immune systems grew tired and weak, they went out, and now they're experiencing a terrible illness because they're not ready for it. They're not. And then I think that kind of explains the ER admissions. Now, I don't know if a guy with a, you know, colon device or a guy with a tingling arm has anything to do with COVID. It doesn't seem like it does. Suppose you could argue that the tingling could be like Guillain-Barre syndrome, but that's just a stretch. The simple solution tends to be the correct one, or I should say the solution that makes the least amount of assumptions. People stayed home. They want to avoid getting sick. Their immune systems became weak. Bacteria, viruses evolve, they change. You got to have your immune system constantly on the defensive. This is a story from the BBC. I read a little bit, but let's read more. They say it may not be COVID, the super cold, but it's linked to what's happened. We've actually been seeing a rise in the number of coughs and colds and viral infections, says Dr. Philippa Kay. She says the numbers have been as high as you'd see in a normal winter. And the main reason is because of the easing of coronavirus restrictions. We are mixing in a way that we haven't been mixing over the past 18 months. During those first lockdowns, we saw numbers of other non-COVID infections fall. We think that was primarily due to the restrictions on meeting up. Now, I'm confused by this. If that's true, then how is COVID spreading? I mean, no, it's an honest question. I have no idea. So the lockdown rules were designed to stop COVID spreading. They also stopped other viruses moving between people, too. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe that makes sense. Now we're going out, meeting with friends and getting on public transport again. The common cold spreads again. Most of these things are respiratory driven. So say somebody talks or coughs or sneezes, you breathe in. Not mixing so much last winter has meant this year the government's trying to get more people than ever to have a flu vaccine. Health officials are worried as it will be the first year both COVID and flu will circulate at at the same time. So they want everyone who's eligible to get it. More than 40 million people across the UK are being offered a flu jab including for the first time, all secondary school children up to the age of 16. And we're seeing that that at the University of Denver. They've now mandated flu vaccines. I think the lockdowns were a mistake. And now you got to pay the piper. The bill comes due always. They thought that they could put off the infection. But what happens now? People's immune systems have been weakened because they've been locked up. Look, look, as this lady, as this doctor was saying, people have, have stayed inside and stayed away from each other for 18 months. When you have people, wow, it is very windy. When you have people who go out, intermingle, get sick, then you develop herd immunity, something we've heard a lot about. And then a lot of people might actually get sick and then your hospitals don't get overwhelmed. But when you have everybody just go out around the same time, they all get sick around the same time. You're then going to see hospitals get overwhelmed. I don't think I, 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 you know, look, part of me is optimistic. I genuinely think we will get through this. And it's the fault of politics and government. It was these, these vaccine mandates, uh, the vaccine mandates are contributing. It was the restrictions, the lockdowns, all of these things, destroying the economy, locking people up that are resulting in, you know, the bill coming due. But I do think if we get back to normal and we focus on that, and we stop listening to the crackpot wingnuts who are terrified of their own shadows, things will get back to normal. And they will get better. And the hospitals will find a way to accommodate their patients better. And the, the amount of patients coming in will go down. But for the time being, you know, Joe Biden is just making things worse. He's talking about this vaccine mandate with OSHA. OSHA is going to put the rule in place. Truckers are going to quit. Supply chain shortages. Lack of work. People are going to quit their jobs. Nurses aren't going to want to work. More people are going to overwhelm hospitals. It is a downward spiral. I don't know if there's a way to get out of it. I really don't. Because you've got people for political tribal reasons demanding extreme actions that is destroying this country, destroying the global economy, and it's going to sink everyone along with it, except for the ultra wealthy. You know, the people who have emergency bunkers and emergency food, they don't care. I'm sure the preppers who live in the mountains, they've been laughing the whole time. Ever since the lockdown, they've been sitting there with their feet up like, I ain't got nothing to worry about. But you, you got a lot to worry about. What happens if you break your arm? You go to the hospital. Are they going to have you sitting there for 12 hours because they've got other patients? Strong possibility. What happens if you end up like this man? You get an infection. I mean, it's sad to hear. It's, it's to hear. It sucks. But I think we're now realizing the mistakes that were made. And the problem, Democrats won't accept it. They will not accept it. They did this. They caused this. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.